0: I trust
1: in you Greetings, Saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. And thank you, Father, for helping us and giving us grace and uh, exhortations in these revelations that uh, lead us to uh, some conclusions here. Uh, we thank you, Father, for that. In Jesus' name. Um, Uh, Your motivation should be in the midst of this, Lord, to bless your people, so we thank you for that, too, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to call this uh, Man Child Born of the Philadelphia Bride, and um, I'm going to share this from Christine Beadsworth. this dream, she said, I dreamt that a woman I knew was going to have a baby by caesarean section, and when I rushed to her side to support her, she had already had a natural birth after a labor of only two hours. I held the baby boy for a long time and gazed at his face. He was very mature and could already speak, and I discovered that he had eight fingers on his right hand The eighth finger branched off the sixth finger. Well, the Lord gave me the interpretation of this years ago. Um, A baby by Caesarean section implies a birth by the works of man, which will not happen to this firstborn fruit of Christ in these days called the man-child. And like this dream shows, we're all, we all start out in the works of man, but through our faith in God, uh, we come to this place of uh, this stage that's being sp- spoken about here. The right hand is uh, the hand that blesses the firstborn, which Jacob put upon Ephraim, meaning in Hebrew, the fullness of nations, and uh, Ephraim was a type of the church of all nations. He was the second-born son of Joseph uh, as a type of Jesus, which received a double portion of the firstborn son, Israel's blessing. Uh, so we see that um, uh, Ephraim got the uh, double blessing, uh, that um, Manasseh should have received. Uh, however, we have this this type in the Bible several times, and uh, basically the church is, is the situation that we're talking about here. When Jesus came, uh, this happened, and his anointing, which in large part was rejected by Israel, fell upon the born-again church. The first group to fully manifest the church, meaning called out ones, is the bride, who John said were the first fruits disciples of Jesus, the man child. So we must come out from the sins of the six churches by faith to be in the Philadelphia bride. Ephraim represents the church in the process of coming out of all nations. The sixth finger is the sixth church spoken of in Revelation, the Philadelphia, or Brotherly Love Church. And out of this will come uh, the man-child, whose number is eight, which represents new beginnings, and uh, that the flesh of their old man is cut off on the eighth day, right? Right? Uh, The gematria for Jesus is 888. The man-child is the first fruits to be born in his image. So uh, the seven fingers also represent seven spiritual shepherds that are sent by the man-child to minister to the seven churches, which is mentioned in Hidden Manner for the End Times. First, uh, Jesus is coming to be manifested in the man-child ministry. Micah 5 and 2 says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, which art little to be among the thousands of Judah, out of thee shall one come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting." Now, obviously, this is Jesus. Uh, And uh, verse 3 goes on to say, Therefore will he give them up until the time that she who travaileth hath brought forth. Then the residue of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. So Jesus left because of rebellion. And will return in the man-child reformers who are born of the travailing woman of Revelation 12. And through them the remnant shall return to Israel, a type of the church. So this is going to uh, bring all of the people of God together and uh, start them maturing uh, in the education given by the man-child. Um, And as Jesus fed the former rain woman in a body of flesh, so he will feed the latter rain woman in a corporate body of flesh because now Israel, spiritual Israel, is the whole world, right? So as individually Jesus couldn't reach the whole world, he uh, became a corporate body in the New Testament, and through them he can reach the world. Micah 5 and 4 says, And he shall stand and shall feed his flock in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. For now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth. So the Jesus of the former reign was revered by the disciples and feared by his enemies, but because of apostasy, this has not been true for many centuries. Uh, The man-child and the disciples who follow uh, in his steps will restore this, and he shall be great unto the ends of the earth. The man-child's teaching will bring uh, peace to the seven churches that are at war with the beast. And uh, this man shall be our peace. When the Assyrians shall come into our land. We've had that parable many times, the attack of the Assyrians, how that they, they took out the northern ten tribes but could not take out the bride. And, and so we can see the, who conquered them. It was the bride, Jerusalem, that conquered them. Okay. This man shall be our peace when the Assyrian shall come into our land and shall tread in our palaces. Then shall we raise up against him seven shepherds and eight principal, or princes among, the Hebrew actually says, eight princes among men. Seven shepherds, but eight princes among men. And the corporate body of the man-child is this man who brings peace to the corporate woman with uh, his teachings that enable her to resist the beast invasion. And he brings peace because the prince of peace is in his heart. That's the eighth princes among men here. Eighth one of the princes among men. So spiritually speaking, we find uh, that the land... Um, and the palaces that the corporate beast is trying to invade, uh, 1 Corinthians 3 and 9. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's husbandry. And the word husbandry here in Greek is tilled land. God's building. Another parable being thrown in there. Okay, The palaces, in other words. You know about the church's palaces, right? And we shall see the beast is a corporate spirit from the abyss, Revelation 17 and 8, that inhabits the body of the wicked and uh, wicked in the church too, by the way. And three, uh, seeks to inhabit the righteous and mark them. We'll notice that the Assyrians are called him, which shows that they are seen as the corporate body of the beast. And since the Assyrian beast kingdom passed away over 600 years before Christ, they could not have been connected with Jesus or the man-child. Therefore, God, as usual, was using the beast of that day to represent a particular aspect of the end-time beast. And as the Assyrian beast did not conquer Jerusalem, so the end-time beast will not conquer those spiritually abiding in the new Jerusalem, which is called the bride. The new Jerusalem, of course, is born from above, the Bible says. So that's not old Jerusalem. It's not born again from above. uh, Micah 5 and 5 says, Then shall we raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes among men. The man-child Jesus raised up twelve apostolic shepherds, primarily to restore those of the twelve tribes of Israel who would listen, actually, um, we can see that in Matthew 10 and 5, and Acts 26 and 7, and James 1 and 1, and First Peter 1 and 1. In exact parallel, the corporate man-child will raise up seven corporate apostolic shepherds, primarily to restore the seven churches. The man-child's primary job is to feed the unleavened bread of the Word to disciples in order to manifest Christ in them. And these will be the new leadership of the seven churches in the last three and a half years. So these seven shepherds are not sectarian religious leaders, but one man in Christ, and are inhabited by one prince of peace. There's the eighth, right? Jesus Hence, eight princes among men. We will see that even after the man-child Jesus, three-and-a-half-year ministry, he promised to be with the shepherds in spirit unto the consummation of the age. Greek is uh, Matthew 28 and 20. Hence, eight princes among men. So these princes are sons of the king and have authority over his realm of the seven churches. The seven churches of revelation are a type um, of seven different types of Christians in the church um isaiah four and one says, and seven women uh representing the the church shall take hold of one man in that day there it is again the one man here is jesus manifested in the Mangile ministry and then he will be manifested in the seven shepherds and then in the true church one of the one of god's uh, solutions to apostasy in the church is uh, new leadership, obviously. Um a lot of people are pretty a lot of pastors are pretty proud of their, you know, documents and letters behind their names and so on and so forth. But um and, and they won't receive these things. But the people who have nothing to support, nothing to defend, uh will receive. Um Isaiah 1 and 26 says, And I will restore thy judges as at the first, and thy counselors as at the beginning. The same type counselors in the former reign will be given in the latter reign. Amen. And here's another confirmation of the man-child giving his revelation to seven shepherds who passed it on to the seven churches. When the man-child Jesus sent his shepherds out, he called them apostles, meaning one sent forth. In other words, the shepherds were the man-child's messengers to the churches. As a a type of the man-child, John, on the Isle of Patmos, was a partaker with you in the tribulation. Uh, Revelation 1 and 9 is that text, okay? And when he was caught up to the throne of God and given a revelation of the coming tribulation to give to the seven churches. Chapter 4, verse 1. After these things I saw... And behold, a door opened in heaven, and the first voice that I heard, a voice as of a trumpet speaking with me, one saying, Come up hither, and I will show thee the things which must come to pass hereafter. Now, you have to remember that. This was later, you know, this to come to pass hereafter. Uh, Straightway I was in the Spirit And behold, there was a throne set in heaven, and one sitting upon the throne. So, like Jesus, he was given a revelation of the apostasy in the church and told to send it to the seven churches by the hand of seven angels. And, uh, who are messengers, by? And one eleven says uh, what thou seest write in a book and send it to the seven churches and uh, to the angel of the church in Ephesus and so with Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, uh, Philadelphia, uh, Laodicea write angel. In these cases is the Greek word angelos, meaning messengers, and is also used of ministers in the New Testament. Testament for example, Luke 4, 24 and 27, and 9, and 52. So this is leading us to a very uh, wonderful revelation here. The equivalent Hebrew word in the Old Testament is translated messenger when speaking of priests in uh, Malachi 2 and 7, John the Baptist, and Jesus in Luke 3 and 1. And since it, it doesn't make sense that John sent revelation by angels, he must have sent it by seven minister messengers to the seven churches. So, this is exactly what Jesus did as the man-child. He shared his revelation with minister messengers who shared it with the seven churches. So, um, here's an example. I believe it is true, and uh, I believe it is witnessed, and uh, we called it the church called brotherly love. And uh, this was given to uh, Mark Fritz. Uh, I woke up and this question came to my mind. What church is the church that I'm visiting today for the second time in relation to Revelation 2? I don't know why I asked this, but the Lord immediately said, Number three which I discovered to be the church of Pergamos. They were rebuked for the Nicolaitan error of being lords over God's flock and the Balaam error of uh, following idols, like um, a false Jesus, and feeding God's people what I call greasy grace doctrines. And I asked the Lord to show me if I should tell the pastor of this church, and he led me to Acts 8 and 9, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. Well, God makes uh, these churches responsible when they get a word from the Lord, and when they disobey, of course, judgment comes so God does do this, even though they won't listen, he does this. So I left the pastor a letter explaining what I thought the Lord was saying to this word of faith church. So many of these lack the crucified life, even though they preach faith, that without the crucified life, it is nothing. So why do things like this continually happen to me? Mark asked, and he said, My wife is tired of me having tough words for churches. She wants us to settle down in a church and find a good youth youth group for our kids. <laughs> I asked the Lord to show me what I should say to this church if uh, they don't repent. And I believe he said, Ezekiel 14 Well, in this chapter, a strong delusion came upon those who set up idols in their heart, right? And then I asked the Lord, what church uh, Unleavened Bread Bible Study represented? And I heard number six. I did not know Philadelphia was the sixth church. Philadelphia is the only church that was not rebuked, but was promised I also will keep thee from the hour of trial. Uh, Philadelphia means love of the brethren. Philo, which means love. Adolphus means a brother. And it's interesting that Adolphus means first from the womb. Wow. A is alpha, first. Uh, Adolphus equals the womb. The man-child ministry will be the firstborn from the womb of the church, as we already know, right? Revelation 3 and 7 says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, and he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and none shall shut, and that shutteth and none openeth. In other words, I believe these keys represent the authority to bind and loose. Even though that's given to all of the church, very few can exercise it effectively. Verse 8, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee a door opened, which none can shut. So the wicked do try to shut this, but they failed because it is written in the word that thou hast a little power and didst keep my word and didst not deny my name. Amen. If you deny the word, you deny the name, right? Verse 9. Behold, I give of the synagogue of Satan, and that's because they worship Satan, um, uh, but they think he is God. I will give of the synagogue of Satan of them that say they are Jews and they are not, but do lie. So, uh, they're not circumcised in heart. Right? Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee because thou didst keep the word of my patience. I also will keep thee from the hour of trial. That hour which is to come upon the whole world to try them that dwell upon the earth. And uh, James 1 and 3 says, uh, Knowing that the proving of your faith worketh patience, and let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. So patience in our faith will gain us everything from God, every provision he has given from the cross, right? The kind of faith seen in uh, this Galatians text um, causes us to dwell in heavenly places in Christ. Galatians 2 and 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live. This is a a good confession in the sight of many witnesses here. But Christ living in me, and that life which I now live in the flesh, I live in faith, the faith which is in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's our good confession too, right? It's the gospel. Our text in Revelation 3, 7-13 uh, shows that the Philadelphia church will escape the hour of trial that would try them that dwell upon the earth rather than dwelling in heavenly places in Christ. You see, these are two opposing positions. And many of God's people are dwelling upon the earth where the dragon can crush them, as I received a dream many years ago. Uh, This church represents uh, the bride, who, like the Shulamite in Song of Solomon, the bride in Esther, and the bride in Psalm 45, will escape in the king's house on earth. And this is no pre-tribulation rapture, for the bride will raise up the virgins, as in all of these cases. Now, God doesn't raise up people to just snatch them out. He raises them up to do a work. We've got the Great Commission to do. When you get in a position to be manifesting Jesus, that's when you're ready to do the Great Commission, right? I believe the words to the churches in Revelations represents the condition of the seven churches. Some have not died to self at all and need a crucifixion. And some had died a little, but still have a long way to go. The tribulation will perfect those who are willing to go to their cross, um, in other words, for their crucifixion. Matthew 16 and 24 says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever would save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. That's what we came for, just the same as our Lord Jesus, to lose our life and to find that resurrection life, right? So, back to Revelation 3.11. Um, I come quickly. Hold fast that which thou hast, that no one take thy crown. Obviously, people are giving up their crown uh, through the lusts of their flesh. And he that overcometh, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go out thence no more, meaning he will constantly abide continually in Jesus, the word, right? And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is, of course, the bride, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. In other words, the bride is born from above. We are all called in John chapter 3 to be born from above, but the bride actually is being completed in that order. And uh, mine own new name, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Amen. Well, I'm going to share this revelation too, along with my uh, interpretations. Um, Greg Moser received this on 521.16, and we called it love tested, to be in the ark of escape. Yes, it will be tested. To, be, to see if you're in the Philadelphia church, you know, that will escape all these things. I dreamed I was with a group of people. We had just gone through some very challenging circumstances in which I felt we had escaped with our lives. <laughs> well, we escaped the faction dismemberment that took the spiritual and sometimes physical lives of those uh that were not accounted worthy to be in the bride. Uh, I was unable, he said, to remember the details of what took place, but I knew that it was cataclysmic in nature and that we had survived and made it through. Well, the, the faction uh, demons and the witchcraft that comes on these people who fail the love test, it is cataclysmic. It it ruins them, ruins their family, destroys everything that they ever learned about the Lord. Uh, it is cataclysmic. We had overcome uh, in the faction test of brotherly love. Amen. So, Revelation 3 and 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, the bride, one of the seven daughters, like Moses' wife, right? So that's a type there. Uh, Right. These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and none shall shut, and shutteth and none openeth. So they have been given the key of David to bind and loose, open and shut. Which you know Jesus had. I mean, he spoke as one with authority, and so will the man child ministry in whom he lives by his word and by his spirit. Verse 8 I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee a door opened which none can shut. That thou hast a little power, and didst keep my word, and didst not deny my name. Behold, I will give of the synagogue of Satan, of them that say they are Jews, and they are not. In the New Testament, you must be born again. You must be circumcised in heart. Born again is not just receiving that spirit which enables you to follow the Lord. Born again is in your soul, in your mind, your will, and your emotions, as Peter spoke about, right? Well, they're not Jews. They're not true Jews because they're not circumcised in heart, right? They claim to be Christian, but, but obey Satan. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Verse 10, Because thou didst keep the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of trial. Amen. Well, God is love, and love is patient. James 1 and 2 says, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into manifold temptations. This is where you can make the decision whether you want more of God or more of the flesh. Right. Knowing that the proving of your faith worketh patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. Wow. Patience in your faith will get you everything. (laughs) So let's go back to uh, uh, 10 again. That hour which is to come upon the whole world to try them that dwell upon the earth. So, this is for the Bema seat, meaning the footprint tribunal. Yeah. Um, And this is all talking about, did you walk? You're being judged by, did you walk as he walked? The footprint tribunal. The wicked will be without excuse, for all their evil is recorded. And uh, verse 11 says, I come quickly, hold fast that which thou hast, that no one take thy crown. There's plenty of people out there trying to take your crown, religious people, maybe well-meaning religious people who want to deceive you with their doctrines. Uh, The beast itself wants to uh, test you with the lusts of the flesh. Uh, Don't let anybody take your crown. Verse 12 says, He that overcometh, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out thence no more. In other words, he will continually abide in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I will write upon him the name of my God. Name means nature, character, and authority. These people will have the nature of Christ, the character of Christ, and the authority of Christ. Much of the church has rejected that totally. So, uh, and of the city of my God, which is the New Jerusalem, and that identifies them as the bride, which cometh down out of heaven, born from above, through obedience to the Word. The Word is the seed. The sower sows the seed of the Word in the hearts of men to bring forth fruit. 30, 60, and 100-fold, right? From my God and mine own new name. Amen. So, he went on to say, we ended up on a ship that seemed to be a safe haven for survivors. Yeah. Well, this ship is the Ark of Safety and Preservation is a refuge for those who pass the faction test of brotherly love. And the Lord showed us this refuge through many dreams, visions, prophecies, and scriptures. All on board were grateful to be there. Well, amen. Myself, as well as a woman whom I do not know, were there tending to a group of children Getting them settled in on the ship. Both the spiritual and the physical children of the obedient righteous are favored of the Lord. Proverbs 20 and 7 says, A righteous man that walketh in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Many destroy their children, sacrificing them to the fire. So Psalm uh, 112 and 2 says, His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. There it is. The generation of the upright. Genesis 6 and 18. But I will establish my covenant with thee, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. Uh, that um, shows you salvation of the family, right? 7 and 1, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Notice, because Noah was found righteous, he told him, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. Wow. So, in 19 and 12, And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whomsoever thou hast in this city? Bring them out of the place. Well, there it is again, household salvation. And it is true whether people receive it or not. If you make, if you don't walk consistently with the Lord, you can lose this. It's yes, because you can see this is a promise to the upright. And First Corinthians seven and fourteen says, "For the unbelieving husband is sanctified in the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified in the brother. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy." So a sanctified person can bring forth sanctified children, right? And the whole Bible is full of these verses, okay? As we were doing this, we were talking about all the things that we had just gone through. In other words, learning how to escape being devoured by the faction dragon through faith in obedience to the Word. I literally saw the faction dragon once in a vision in the night, attempting to destroy people with his words. The woman was concerned about the threat of some aspect of what he had just survived. I said, I don't think we need to be as concerned about that as much as them. Uh, So the factious are rejected from the ark of Jesus and threatened by coming judgment, and not like those who are permitted to remain in the ark. And as I said this, I was looking either out a window or maybe off the deck of the ship, and I saw a large crowd of people standing there, wanting to get on board, but they could not. They were all visibly sick and desperate to get on board. Well, the faction want to escape the coming judgments, but they cannot without repentance. Either the ship had not yet left the dock, or we were still really close to the land, and there uh, was security measures that had to be met before anyone could step foot on the ship. So they, everybody on the ship has to pass the test of brotherly love. Faction cannot abide in the ark um. in Jesus' name. It was then that we realized that there had been an outbreak of a disease or virus, that all those people were sick and contagious. You hear that? I don't know how many dreams we've had of people who fell into faction dying of a disease. And the Lord has told us that they're going to be judged that way. They looked very sick and unhealthy, just like the faction people who are also spiritually sick and contagious to those who live in sin or do not pass the test of love, right? And Galatians 5 and 9 says, A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And uh, be not deceived, evil companionships corrupt good morals. Therefore, the Lord can't allow these people in the ark. So it was at this time that the woman was tending to some children when a young black girl uh, walked up to her and just started acting very crazy and threatening. Um, The ship is spiritual, and this black girl is spiritual. She represents one who walks in darkness and not in light. In 1 John 1 and 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. These people can't have fellowship with righteous people. They just can't. They're demon-possessed. And the blood of Jesus his Son cleanseth us from all sin. Amen. She was very obviously sick with the virus. She became aggressive towards the woman. The aggression that they feel is that the demons that infest them want to take out the righteous. So the woman pulled out a can of mace or pepper spray or something and sprayed her in the face. The black girl ran off. We realized that she was sick and had somehow gotten through security and gotten on the ship to evidently test somebody, right? (laughs) So this has happened as a test for those on the ship, but it will be less and less as the infected leave the ship. And they have been doing that, uh, leaving behind a sanctified bride because the bride as a whole can't be sanctified as long as these people are among them, right? So God is separating the wheat from the tares. Then the scene changed, and I was back in my home in Nebraska where I grew up. Yeah, in his father's house, right? Praise the Lord. Uh, There was a black kitten that got into the house, And this represents that rebellion against the word and darkness uh, that got into Father's house and must be thrown out, right? And Greg went on to say, it was really playful and seemed harmless. I was thinking of the viral outbreak in the earlier part of the dream and had a thought that possibly the kitten had been exposed to it and could possibly be contagious, Yeah, because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Cats represent uh, self-will, stubbornness, um, so on. My thought was to get it out of the house before anyone got bitten or scratched. I tried to grab it, but it ran. Well, when these demons are exposed, they always get offended and run. Uh, And, of course, they take their human hosts with them. The tares are, are being bundled together to burn, as the Lord said. Birds of a feather flock together, right? And they do. Eventually, I cornered it and decided to just grab it and to get it out of there. And I found myself thinking that I would rather take the risk of getting bitten myself than for someone else to get bitten And I grabbed the kitten, and sure enough, it scratched and bit me uh, in the process. And uh, let me say that as long as a person obeys the commands of God by faith in him, they are immune. Demons must have legal rights, which is permission from God, as in Job, or uh, disobedience to the Word, right? Uh, and the Bible tells us very plainly, Titus three ten and 11, A factious man, after a first and second admonition, refuse. If you don't obey this, you will get taken out by their words. They have power. Those words have power, and they're given authority when you disobey. Verse 11, Knowing that such a one is perverted and sinneth, being self-condemned. Yes, they condemn themselves. In Romans 16 and 17, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them that are causing the divisions and occasions of stumbling, contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and turn away from them. For they are such, serve not our Lord Christ, but their own belly. And by their smooth and fair speech they beguile the hearts of the innocent. Second John eight. Look to yourselves that you lose not the things which we have wrought, but that you receive a full reward. And whoso goeth onward and abideth not in the teaching of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the teaching the same hath both the Father and the Son. If any one cometh unto you and bringeth not this teaching, Receive him not into your house, and give him no greeting. This is, in other words, you just cut them off. You have to do that, because it's obedience. For he that giveth him greeting partaketh in his evil works. Notice, if you give him greeting, those works of his will come on you. Uh Uh-oh. James 3 and 6. Or 3 and 16, for where jealousy and faction are, there is confusion and every vile deed. This is a fact. The most corrupt people on the face of the earth uh, have faction in them. And then Greg said, I woke up. And now I'm going to share Claire." Revelation 9, 19, 22. The ark of God is the saints. I dreamed that there was a large wooden ship on very rough seas during a storm, representing the ark of the saints that is above the curses of this world. You know, as Noah's ark was, right? The water represented the curse of death, right? Uh, And we will see this more as we go on. Then I saw how this ship was made. It came together beam by beam from light that I knew to be the light of the saints. Well, this is representing the righteous acts of the saints, which is the lampros garment, uh, the wedding garment, the lampros garment, which means not just white, but glowing as in Revelation 19 speaks of it. And then from the ship David eels appeared and also a male lamb. Well, I believe David represents the David man-child reformers who have befriended and taken advantage of the example and the sacrifice of Jesus, who is the male lamb. And these are the first fruits which God uses to sanctify the saints in the tribulation period. Amen. So in the tribulation, uh, the saints first conquer their flesh so that their personal promised land is healed. Uh, Our physical life, which came from the dirt, is where the seed of Christ is sown uh, in order to bring forth Christ in you. And this process is to bring forth the fruit, which is the spiritual man. And these are, uh, as those who go into the ark, are God's heavenly land of rest. For Noah, in Hebrew, means rest the people in the rest, and that you get there by faith in the promises of God. You cease from worrying, struggling, striving. You enter into rest when you believe the promises of God. So believe them all. As Noah went through the seven days in type, so the righteous will conquer themselves in their own tribulation. And after the tribulation of the last trump, the uh, world itself becomes their physical promised land. For instance, Revelation 11 and 15 says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there followed great voices in heaven. That's the last trump, right? And they said, The kingdom of the world is become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Wow. Okay. And uh, Matthew 5 and 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So when this world also becomes the saint's kingdom, then they can conquer the enemies in the earthly promised land. The, The wicked will be under their feet in judgment, just as it was with Noah. In uh, Malachi 4 and 3 says, And you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I make, says the Lord of hosts. Ashes under the soles of your feet. These who have persecuted and criticized and slandered the righteous are going to be ashes under the soles of their feet. The stone which the builders rejected became the head. Mm -hmm. So I asked the Lord for a verse by faith at random and received Psalm 44, 7, and 8. But you have saved us from our enemies, and you have put them to shame and humiliated those who hate us. In God we have boasted all the day long, And we will praise and give thanks to your name forever. In Rion, uh, Claire's husband said, The Ark of God is dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. The secret place is the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory, and living that life now by faith in Christ. And it is through this life, Christ in the man-child David reformers is manifested. And these are uh, spiritual fathers uh, through whom Jesus will bring forth much fruit. You know, Paul said, you have not many fathers. I begat you through the gospel. And even today, Christians who have been Christians for many years are learning more and more about the gospel It is the good news of what God has done. Amen. And 1 John 1 and 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. Amen. How awesome, Lord, and um, and how motivating this is. Lord, uh, we so much need Your grace every day. We ask You to fill us with the gift of faith. We behold in the mirror the Lord, and so we know we have His faith. We have His righteousness. We have His love. We have everything given to us. We just have to choose it as we go because we are offered a choice uh, of going forward or going backward. If you keep going forward and backward, you don't bear fruit. If you go forward, you bear fruit. So thank you, Father, for doing this for us. Thank you for blessing us and delivering us from all evil. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, also, Brother Michael is going to follow and um, share uh, with the brethren a good word. We ask you, Lord, to bless him and to bless them. In Jesus' name. And thank you so much for what you're doing for us, Lord, and drawing us unto yourself. We love you and we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, saints.
2: Well, thank you, Brother David, and God bless you. Hello, saints. It's so good to be back with you. Let's go to the Lord. Father God, I just praise you and I worship you. And I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to... uh Get this message of the born-again soul out to the people. I ask for your anointing that it would be a blessing to everybody in the name of Jesus. Well, that's what I'd like to talk about is the born-again soul. In 1 John, let's start out with 1 John chapter 2, verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also that does righteousness is begotten of him. You see, we are to be born of him. And if you do righteousness, you are born of him. First John 3 and 9 says, Whosoever is begotten of God does no sin because his seed abides in him. And as you probably already know, the seed is the word of God. And it might be read as his word abides in him. And it goes on and says, and he cannot sin because he is begotten of God. Verse 10, in this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. And if you'll notice, it's that the children of the devil are also coming into manifestation. And what did Jesus say about the tares sown among the wheat? Matthew 13, 27, and the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in thy field? Whence then hath it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. And the servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest haply while you gather up the tares, you root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, reapers, gather up first the tares, bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Folks, a tare bears only very small fruit. It ain't going to pass muster. It's not going to measure up to... God's required standard. 1 John 3 and 10 says, In this the children of God are manifest in the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loves not his brother. Love is the most important fruit for us to bear. And the main reason people fall away, the main reason. They went out from us is usually because there's no love in them. Instead, they get mad, they get angry, and they're unforgiving. Especially when you don't agree with what they want uh, uh, what they want to do in their sinful ways. These are people who keep their sins sometimes because they don't know how to get rid of, but usually they're just too proud to do it. The solution in every case is always to humble ourselves to the word. Humility, folks, is super, super important. We're told in First John 1 and 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, well, what is that darkness? Well, it's not submitting to the light of the word. You can be in religion and you can go to church every day and still walk in darkness, but you can't submit to the light of the word and be in darkness. First John 1 verse 6 says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, then folks, again, this is the light of the word. As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. If you walk in the light, you have fellowship with the brethren. And you don't have to be one of those who went out from among us as antichrist. And it goes on and says, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And if you walk in the light, you're going to have both fellowship with the brethren and that blood. We'll cleanse you. Verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, well, that's where humility kicks in right there. Where there's honesty and love, there's humility. Many people have spirits of fear or spirits of rejection or both of them. And that keeps them from confessing their sin. A lot of people have spirits of pride. And they think that they're better than somebody else or they may have unforgiveness towards somebody. It don't make any difference. In any case, the Lord promises he'll give you help if you confess your sin. First John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there is humility involved in not falling away. And as a person's sins build up in them, they fall away because the sin overcomes the seed of the word. Folks, you probably already know this, but I'm going to say it once more. There is a great falling away coming. And this great falling away is going to be due to people ignoring the principles that we're looking at here in the word of God. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today, yea, and forever. And we have to continue in the faith. We need to repent and turn our life over to him and walk in his ways. Colossians 1 and 9 says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray and make requests for you that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. God does offer this, and you're, not <clears throat> and you're not praying for something that you don't think can happen. Verse 10, to walk worthily of the Lord unto all pleasing, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And that knowledge of God gives you power, but it also, that knowledge will make you more responsible also. Luke chapter 12 and verse 48 says, And to whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And to whom they commit much, of him will they ask the more. Folks, we are expected to walk in a deeper and deeper knowledge of the word of God. And if you put the word of God aside and say, Well, I don't want to see anymore because then I'll be more responsible then either you won't bear any fruit or you won't bear enough fruit. And the choice you make will prove whether or not you're one of the elect. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 11 says, "Strengthened with all power according to the might of his glory. You can't have power unless you have the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is what empowers you. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that was spoken to believers. How, how many of you had people tell you, well, "We get the Holy Spirit when we get saved"? I know you don't, because you need to read the Book of Acts. Colossians one and eleven says, "Strengthened with all power, according to the might of His glory, unto all patience and long suffering with joy." All of these wonderful gifts, He's talking about. Are being offered to us through this prayer right here, giving verse twelve, giving thanks unto the Father who made us able it says meet but it means able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who delivered us out of the power of darkness. You don't have to obey the devil and you don't have to obey sin because God's already delivered you through your faith. In these verses, we're talking about right here. And it goes on, it says, And translated us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have our redemption, the forgiveness of our sin, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, Praise God. And then skip over to verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it was the good pleasure of the Father, that in him should all the fullness dwell. And that word fullness there just means the divinity. It doesn't mean the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, and through him to reconcile all unto himself. It says things, it should be in parentheses, because... As you know, in in the Numerics, you don't use it unless it's uh, absolutely necessary. And through him to reconcile all unto himself. He's reconciling all of his people. And that word translated there as reconcile is that Greek word apocalypso, which means to exchange completely. And the Lord is able to exchange completely. But first, you have to know what it is that Jesus has to give you. Well, the Bible says in First John 4, 17, Herein is love made perfect with us, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, even so are we in this world. Everything he has, he has given to you at the cross but there is an exchange that has to be made because your sins are put upon that cross and his righteousness is given to you. And this exchange is being carried out as you walk by faith. It's being carried out as you see by faith what belongs to you, which are the blessings, and what doesn't belong to you, which is the sin, the corruption, the curse, and on and on. Colossians 119 says, For it was the good pleasure of the Father to reconcile all unto himself. Verse 20. Having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say, whether things upon the earth or things in the heavens. Now again, the word things is not there in the original. Verse 21. And you being in time past alienated and enemies in your mind. And that's speaking of the unrenewed mind, the normal natural mind that you inherited from your parents and your environment. Your natural enemy is the enemy of God. Only the renewed mind of Christ is at total peace with God. But you can't renew your mind unless you put this word in your heart. Colossians 121, and you being in time past alienated and enemies in your mind, in your evil works, yet now hath he reconciled. He exchanged you completely. He he took your sins and nailed them on the cross. And he took his righteousness, his works, his life, his provision, everything, and gave it to you. Folks, it's already done. But there is a condition. Colossians 1.22 Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and without blemish and unreprovable before him. And that reconciliation is going to make you everything that he is, which is holy and without blemish and unprovable. But here's the condition. Colossians 1.23 If so be that you continue in the faith, So we come right back where we started, if. So why do people fall away? Romans 11 and 19 says, Thou wouldst say then branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, by their unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by thy faith. Be not high-minded, but fear, for if God spared not the natural branches, neither will he spare thee. Behold then the goodness and severity of God toward them that fell. Severity, but toward thee God's goodness. If, there it is again, thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, if they continue not in their unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. And the only thing that causes you to stand in the olive tree Is your faith. Not the faith that religion gives you. It's the faith that the word of God gives you. Romans 10 and 17 says. So belief comes of hearing. And hearing by the word of Christ. The most important thing you can. Do for yourself and your children. Is to teach them to love the word of God. At every opportunity that you have. And if you send them off to college. they are probably not going to read the word because they ain't going to be able to have time for that. Colossians one twenty two says, Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and without blemish and unreprovable before him. Folks, he will reconcile you, and you will bear the fruit of Jesus Christ. You'll bear his life, his nature, his purity, his health, his deliverance, his provision, all of that. Will be yours. But you have to believe it. And then verse 23. If so be that you continue in the faith. Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 13. But he that endures to the end the same shall be saved. And then it goes on. In Colossians one twenty-two and says. Grounded and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel. And obviously a lot of people have moved away from the gospel. It's easy to forget the things of God. And that's why you have to constantly renew your mind. You have to put the word in there and you have to keep putting that word in there until the word overcome what's already in there. And some people are better at this than others. But then some people spend more time with the Lord in the word than others. If you love him, you're going to keep his commandments. And if you love him, You're going to search out his commandments so that you can keep them. And if you love truth and righteousness and purity and reconciliation, you're going to run after him. Colossians 1.22 says, Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and without blemish and unreprovable before him. A lot of people think this reconciliation it's just something to be accepted by faith and that don't have to be manifested. And folks, that's false. Read what the context says here. You're reconciled if you continue. 23, if so be that ye continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye heard, which was preached in all creation under heaven, whereof I, Paul, was made a minister, Well, how great is that, folks? The Lord is a great Savior. And if you'll notice, Colossians 1, 9 through 23 is actually a wonderful prayer that you can pray over yourself. Now, let's go to 1 Peter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy begat us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, unto an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who, by the power of God, are guarded through faith unto a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The endurance of your faith brings you that reconciliation that exchange and at the end of each trial you either receive his salvation or you keep what you have but if you endure in your faith you're going to receive salvation and that's what God's promised it was past tense he said it's already been done it's already been given but you have to endure in your faith you receive it if you endure in your faith grounded and steadfast not moved away from the hope of the gospel so you continue in your faith and hold fast. And remember what faith is. It calls the things that are not as though they were. You consider it already done because Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is assurance of things hoped for, a conviction of things not seen. You're believing for something that you don't see. And Jesus taught us how faith works. He said in Mark eleven twenty four. 24, all things whatsoever ye pray and ask for, believe that ye received them, and ye shall have you. That's because we received them back at the cross. Believe you have received. Don't talk against it. Don't add to the word, and don't take away from the word. Just speak the word itself. First Peter 4 and 11 says, If any man speaks, speaking as it were, oracles of God, Agree with the word. Again in First Peter 1 verse 5. Who by the power of God are guarded through faith unto a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So holding fast to this faith brings you salvation. Then verse 6. Wherein you greatly rejoice though now for a little while if need be you have been put to grief in manifold trials, And it That means, that trials means temptation or test. And both of those can apply simultaneously depending on the context. The positive sense, that's the test. And negative sense, that's the temptation or uh, functions of the context. You're tested so let patience in your trial cause you to be perfect. James 1 and 2 says, knowing that the proving of your faith works patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. So we're believing to see the Lord Jesus Christ. First Peter 1 and 7 said that the proof, that's the test, that's the trial, to prove genuineness, that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold that perishes, though it is proved by fire, may be found unto praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And folks, that's speaking about the revealing or the manifestation of Jesus Christ in you. And in verse 8, Who not having seen ye love, on whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice greatly with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Yeah, we're believing to see the Lord Jesus Christ in the mirror. And then we're believing to see him in the sky. Second Corinthians 3 and 18, but we all with unveiled faith, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord the Spirit. And of course he's coming back to pick the fruit of those who have the works of the kingdom. First Peter 1 and 9 said, receiving an end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. When you first get saved, that's only the salvation of your spirit. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. The salvation of your soul comes if you walk by faith, and therefore your spirit is manifested in your soul. Otherwise, your flesh will be manifested in your soul, and that's called, in Jude 1 and 12, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. So you endure in your faith to receive the end of your faith, which is the manifestation. First Peter 1 and 10 says, concerning which salvation the prophets sought and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what time or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did point unto when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ. And the glories that should follow him. Well, amen. Praise God. Now, let's go back to what Peter said in 1 Peter 1 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy begat, and that means to begat again, and it's a combination of Anna, which means up again, and Janael which means give birth. In other words, born again or born from on high. Then it goes on and says, Us again unto a living hope. We were born again unto a living hope. And when we were first born again, it was our spirit that was born again. The soul is born again in a different manner, as we'll see here later. First Peter 1 and 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy begat us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And it was a living hope, because when he was resurrected, we were resurrected. However, that's by faith. And as we exercise faith in that promise, we receive the manifestation if we continue on in the faith. 1 Peter 1 and 5 says, who by the power of God are guarded through faith unto a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So you're guarded through your faith until you come to the salvation. You have to continue in the faith, just like we studied already. A person who doesn't continue in the faith doesn't get what they believe for. Because Jesus said in Mark 11 and 24, all things whatsoever you pray and ask for Believe that you received them, and you shall have them. Matthew 10.22 says, He that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. If you don't endure to the end, you ain't going to be saved. You have to endure in your faith to the end, knowing that your faith is going to be tested. 1 Peter six says, Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been put to grief in manifold trials. And we already know that this means various temptations. You're going to be tempted, aren't you? Your faith is going to be tested. And you have to hold fast the confession of your hope that it waver not. And if you do that, you'll come to verse 9, which says this in First Peter 1 and 9. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. So the beginning of your faith It's that born-again experience in verse 3 where you receive a born-again spirit. The end of your faith is the born-again soul. Now, obviously, what's been put into your spirit has to go into your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotion, And that's where you bear the fruit. You're not the good seed put into the ground until you have that initial born-again experience of a born-again spirit. Then you're the good seed, and then you have to bear fruit. Because when the harvest comes, he's coming to pick the fruit. And some people don't endure to the end in order to bear fruit in their soul. And that's why the falling away happens. The falling away happens because most people don't think that they have to bear fruit. Which is even the salvation of your souls, glory to God. So with that in mind, we can continue here. 1 Peter one twenty one, Who, through him, are believers in God that raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope might be in God. 22 Seeing ye have purified your souls in your obedience to the truth. Well, who was Peter talking to? Well, if we back up to the beginning of this letter, you'll find he was speaking only to true believers, First Peter one and one says, "Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the elect, who are sojourners of the dispersion." He wasn't call, he wasn't speaking to those who were just called, but he was speaking to the elect because the elect are the ones who always bear the fruit of Jesus. Matthew twenty two and fourteen says, "For many are called, but few are chosen," and that chosen in the Greek. Means select by implication and a favorite. So you might be called and you may have had a born again spirit, but will you have a born again soul? Will you go on to bear fruit in your mind, your will, and your emotions? And this is how you make a call in an election, seeing you have purified your soul means that you have to see the end from the beginning. You have to walk by faith. You have to believe it was done at the cross. And that's what you see in your spirit. You see it already as done. It is finished, folks. Hebrews 10 and 14, for by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. First Peter one twenty-two: Seeing you have purified your souls in your obedience to the truth. Listen, if you don't want to fall away, you have to be obeying the truth. And for you to obey the truth, you have to search for it, don't you? You search for wisdom just as you would gold. It's even more important than gold. It's more valuable than gold. And it goes on, it says, unto unfeigned love. Like I said before, the most important thing is love. And a lot of people prove that they don't have love. Of course, they are in danger Of falling away. And it goes on and says. Of the brethren love one another from the heart. Fervently. Having been begotten again. And that means born again from above. And when you're first born again. You don't know much about the Bible. But you don't have to. All you have to do is repent. And want the Lord. To take over your life. That word repent. Means change your mind. And believe the first message. That you have of the gospel. And that's all you have to do. But after that. As you search for the truth. And obey the truth. You will have fruit in your soul. In other words you'll be renewing your mind. With the mind of Christ. And that will enable you to bear fruit. By your faith. In what you understand. And God will give you the power. When you believe what you read. Listen some of you listening to me right now. Might go to churches and might not get enough word to overcome anything. You've already been indoctrinated with. You need to get this on your own by searching out the truth. God's people will love the truth. All of the elect will love the truth, and they'll love Him enough to obey it. First Peter 1:22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in your obedience to the truth, unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Love one another from the heart fervently, having been begotten again, not of a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides. What's the incorruptible seed? That's the word of God. And again, when you first come to the Lord, you don't know the word of God. But that's the second part of being born again. And that is to born again in the soul, not of corrupt, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God. So you do have to seek the truth and you do have to obey the truth. You can obey the truth because you believe that you were united with him in the death, burial, and resurrection and that your sins were taken away. Romans 6 and 5 said, for if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, we shall also, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away, that so we should no longer be in bondage to sin. For he that hath died is justified from sin. You can obey the truth because you believe the gospel that you were made free from sin. Romans 6.22, but now being made free from sin, And become servants to God. Ye have your fruit unto sanctification. And the end eternal life. And as you exercise your faith in that folks. Sin won't have power over you. Because you believe it's already been conquered. John 16.33 says. These things have I spoken unto you. That in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. First Peter 1.24 says, For all flesh is as grass. Well, now do we go through this crucifixion of the old f- flesh? And when you receive the word of God, you're obeying your spirit. That means you're not obeying your flesh. And it dies a little more each time you do that. That means you're weaning it. The flesh is used to getting this way, but you're weaning it. 1 Peter 1.24 For all flesh is as grass and all the glory thereof as the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord abides forever. This word which you put in your heart is eternal life. The word of the Lord abides forever. It is eternal. The grass or flesh is temporary, but this is eternal. We become the word we become the word made flesh. And that's what it says in Colossians 127, Christ in you, the hope of glory. First Peter 1 Peter 1.25 said, but the word of the Lord abides forever. And this is the word of good tidings, which was preached unto you. Folks, this is the gospel, not that other apostate teaching that says just accept Jesus. You're going to be okay. He don't accept you unless you repent and believe. And that's a continual process. It ain't a step over the line one time profession that religion would have you believe. This purifying of your soul comes by obeying the truth. And that's what James was talking about. James one twenty one. wherefore putting away all filthiness and overflowing of wickedness, receive with meekness the implanted. And that just means inborn, innate, rooted. Word which is able to save your soul. How is he going to do that? It does that through your obedience to the truth, just like we just read. Then verse 22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deluding your own selves. A lot of people are deceived. Multitudes, what are called Christians, are deceived. They don't think they have to walk in the truth. They think that they can walk in the flesh even though Paul said clearly in Romans 8 and 13, If you live after the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. Isn't that a condition? Yeah, it's an if condition. James one twenty three. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a mirror. Beholding the natural face faith, faith is contrary To what we're commanded to do. Second Corinthians 3 and 18. But we all. That's if we have eyes to see. Because some don't. But we all with unveiled faith. Beholding as in a mirror. The glory of the Lord. Are transformed into the same image. From glory to glory. Even as from the Lord the Spirit. In other words. It's a gift from the Spirit. As you continue to behold. That's the gospel. You don't live anymore. Jesus lives in you. Galatians 2 and 20. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I that live, but Christ living in me. And that life which I now live in the flesh, I live in faith. The faith which is in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's what Paul said. When you look in the mirror, you're seeing Jesus because you accept it by faith. It's an imagination thing that you have to hold on to so that you come into his image more and more. From glory to glory, it says. You see Jesus in the mirror by faith because it's already done. John 3 and 13, and no one hath descended into heaven but he that descended out of heaven, even the Son of Man who is in heaven. When you see your natural self in the mirror, or in other words, when you see your old stinking self, you're not exercising any faith there. You're not calling the things that are not as though they were. There ain't no faith involved. So how, how are you going to be able to grow if you don't show any faith? How are you going to be anything more than what you already are, what you're seeing in the mirror? James 1.23 says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. For he beholds himself and goes away and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. And when you look at yourself too much, you're going to fall into denial. It's the only way that you can have any peace. And when you read the word, it tells you what God wants. And if you look in the mirror and say, I don't want to look like that, you're not exercising the power of faith you'll not overcome. You'll always be a hearer and not a doer. James 1.25 says, But he that looks on into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and so continues, and that's what we've been talking about, being not a hearer that forgets, but a doer. That works. That man shall be blessed in his doing. First John 3 and 9, it says, Whosoever is begotten, and that means born of God does no sin. And when you have a renewed soul, a born-again soul that's in the image of Jesus, because you held fast to the Word, your spirit received from God through the Word, then you're going to overcome. I think about how many times you've overcome since you came to know the Lord. Things that you don't even consider doing anymore. And if the devil tried to tempt you with them, you just laugh at it. And God wants to continue that all the way to the end. God wants it to continue until you have at least 30, then 60, and ultimately, finally, a hundredfold fruit. In the parable of the sower, the seed that you put in is the seed of Jesus Christ, the word of God. You have to put the word in there and you have to obey it. There's a born-again man that's growing in you. He's taking ground. He's taking that promised land away from that old Canaanite, that old sinner in the land. And he's putting to death that old sinner and taking his house and living in his house. That's what the spiritual man is doing. And if you're hearing and obeying the word of God, you're conquering this land. The problem was that when the Israelites were going into their land, they forgot faith. They forgot what God said. Josh and Caleb didn't forget. They kept reminding them, but they wouldn't listen. And so the Israelites died in their wilderness. First John chapter three and verse nine says, whosoever is begotten of God does no sin because his seed abides in him. And that, there it is again, the seed is the word of God. But know that after you receive the initial born again experience, you're going to be tested. Your faith is going to be tested. And if you give up the seed and you accept what the devil says, guess what you're accepting? You're accepting the devil's seed. And what does that end up being? You end up being a tire. You don't want to give up the seed of God. It has the power to bring eternal life manifestly in your life. 1 John 3 and 9, Whosoever is begotten of God doeth no sin because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he is begotten of God. And that part of you that's born of God ain't going to sin because it's God in you. That's where you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that part of you is not going to sin. But there are other parts of your promised land that you haven't conquered yet. You hadn't killed that old man. You haven't taken his house. And you haven't raised your own crops on his property. And you have to march through the whole promised land because God said that every place you put the sole of your foot, he's going to give it to you. You already know the parts of you that are born again because you're not tempted there in those areas anymore. God changed you and that wasn't an accident. You had the faith to get changed. First John 3 and 10 says this, In this the children of God are manifest. Now we're talking about manifestation, and that's what we're here for, to manifest Christ, Lord of God. And it goes on, it says, And the children of the devil, whosoever does not righteousness, is not of God, neither he that loves not his brother. It says they're not of God. They ain't doing what the word tells us to do if we sin. First John 1 John seven says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Folks, when you sin, you can confess it and forsake it and he'll wash you clean. He'll wash you all, wash you of all of that unrighteousness. And that's part of your tools along the way to stay clean before God. And if you're not going to confess your sin, you choose to justify yourself instead, then you won't be able to hold fast to your faith and you're going to fall away. It's that choice you have to make. You can't just hide your sin around the people of God and make yourself acceptable to them as a deceiver. Or you can confess your sin and God will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So let's choose wisely to believe and confess and forsake this old worldly way. Choose to accept that you've purified your soul in obedience to the truth and choose to continue to obey that truth so that you can go on to take that promised land and bear fruit in your soul. And that's your mind, your will, and the emotions. Choose to allow the fiery trial to burn up that old grass, and that's the flesh. First Peter one uh chapter two and verse one says, Putting away therefore all wickedness and all guile and hypocrisies. Those people who preach you're always going to be a sinner saved by grace are liars. They are anti-Christ, and they've never even gotten a revelation of the gospel. And if you're always going to be a sinner saved by grace, then you didn't get saved by grace. Think about it. If you're always going to be a sinner, you didn't get saved by grace. Grace comes through your faith in the word of God to save you from sin. God doesn't save you so you can sin and get away with it. He comes to save you from sin because you confessed it, you forsook it, and you want God. These people will be known because God's more important to them than sin, and that's the trial they're going through. The church is full of hypocrisies and guile and deception by people. Jude 1 verse 12 says, Who are hidden rocks in your love feast when they feast with you? shepherds that without fear feed themselves, clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn leaves without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the root. Yep, they're going to be shown to be twice dead and plucked up by the roots. They're full of guile and are hidden. They're deceivers who want you to believe they're somebody that they're not. Instead of confessing their sins to somebody who's faith or at least confessing them to the Lord, they rather deceive themselves Delude even themselves. And there's so much judgment coming out of these people, even though we're not permitted to judge until we're complete, until we're delivered from sin. First Peter 2 and 1 says, Put away therefore all wickedness and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. As newborn babes long for the spiritual milk, which is without guile, that ye may grow thereby unto uh, salvation. What did Jesus tell his disciples? John 4 and 34, Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to accomplish his work. That's also true of us. Our meat is to do the will of him that sends us. Our meat is to be a doer of the word. How are you going to grow up only on milk? Got to have a stake in there. When Jesus was teaching the multitudes, he protested to them. He said in Luke 6 and 46, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say. Folks, we're growing into the manifestation of our salvation. The manifestation is what you're looking for when you go out into the field to pick the fruit. You might believe that the seed is going to bring forth wonderful fruit, but you're not going to go out there and pick it until it's above the ground. You can see it, are you? That's what we're here for. The earth is the field, and we're here to bear fruit. But some people say you don't bear fruit until you go to heaven. Well, they ain't going to heaven because the fruit comes out of the earth. Fruit is attached to the earth before you pick it. Salvation is something that's in Jesus Christ. If you abide in him, you got it. If you don't abide in him, you don't have it. It ain't something magic that happens to you when you first accepted Jesus. The test comes after that to find out if you're just called or whether you're called and chosen. First Peter 2 and 3 says, If you have tasted that the Lord is gracious unto whom coming a living stone rejected indeed of men, Listen, if you don't want to be rejected to men, you're going to do what it takes to make them happy. But it's more important to make God happy because he has eternal life for you. And He goes on and says, But with God elect precious, ye also as living stones are built up a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices. When the priests offered sacrifice, what did they offer? They offered the flesh, burnt flesh. And goes on and says, Acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. When you're in the fiery trial, you're making a decision. Do you want more of Jesus or do you want more of the flesh? If you obey the flesh, you get more of the flesh. If you obey Jesus, the flesh is crucified because it doesn't get what it wants. It's on the altar of fire and it's burnt up. And this is how you get more of Jesus and bear more fruit. In the trial, which he said you're going to go through, you decide to obey the word even though you can feel the old flesh drawing on you and the devil beyond that. He's got his rope around the old flesh. He's pulling against you. You can feel it every time you're tested or tempted to do something other than what to obey the word of God. That word puts you on your cross. And if you don't obey it, you're not on the cross. And if you don't take up the cross and follow Jesus, you're not his disciple. And that means a learner and a follower, of course. First Peter two and six says, Because it is contained in Scriptures, behold I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he that believes on him shall not be put to shame. How can you prove that you believe on him? The Bible says in James two twenty six, even so faith apart from works is dead. And if you believe you got faith, you're going to act on your faith. But there's a lot of people out there is going to be put to shame. Verse seven, for you therefore that believe is the preciousness, but for such as disbelieve, and it's going to be proven in the midst of the trial, whether or not you believe the stone which the builders rejected. And you might claim I never rejected Jesus, but if you don't obey him in the midst of the trial, then you ain't believing him. You've rejected the stone which the builders rejected. Just like those early people did. And you're shamed right there. You're rejected. First Peter 2 and 7 says, For you therefore that believe is the preciousness. But for such as disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, the same was made the head of the corner. Verse 8 and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. For they stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. It's always the disobedient who stumble and fall away. They're disobedient because they're not believing what the word of God says. They've made up their own convenient little doctrine so that they can live in the flesh and still go to heaven. And even people who know better can fall into that trap when they stumble on the rock of a fence. When they stumble over the word of God. That word comes to prove you. It comes to test you. The word comes to empower you with faith and deliver you. Just like a two-edged sword, it'll cut away that which is fleshly and demonic. Second Corinthians 7 and 1. Having therefore these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. First Peter 2 and 9. But ye are an elect race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Paul is trying to convince them after he just finished giving them the conditions here. A people for God's own possession that you may show forth the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're called out of darkness to come into that light of the word, the wisdom of God. And that darkness is the darkness of your unregenerated soul that's not born unto God. You see, parts of your soul are born unto God because you're obedient to God there. You ain't tempted in those areas anymore, but there are parts of your soul where you're not obedient to God. Those places are where your promised land hasn't been taken away from the carnal man of the land, the Canaanite. He has to be put to death in order for you to take the land thirty-six and a hundredfold. And the grace of God gives you that opportunity to do that. 1 Peter two and ten says, "Who in time past were no people, but now are the people of God." How do you become the people of God? Well, when you're born again, it's God himself who lives in you. And the part of you that obeys God is his kingdom. That's where he rules. But the part of you that doesn't obey him is not his kingdom because he doesn't rule there. And the more and more you obey, the more and more of you comes into the kingdom of God. 1 Peter 2.10 says, Who in time past were no people, but now are the people of God who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Folks, God is so good. Glory be to God. We thank you so much, Father, for your mighty blessings in your word. Folks, I'm out of time. God bless you. We'll see you again next time. God willing.
0: For information, materials, and to contribute, go to unleavenedbreadministries.org. Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels, Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama, 36123. I can quench my thirsting soul. Pure as water, make me whole. Let your streams of mercy flow. Oh, Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea Though the rivers rise, I still believe For your mercy stands and your word is true Oh, Jesus, I trust in you And when I face the darkest night My Lord Jesus